Carlos Mom Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith. I have another special guest with me today. She is an author, educator, singer. I might be leaving some stuff off, but today I have Miss Taylor Spencer with me. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We had a great conversation off camera, so if it's anything like this interview, then it'll be it'll be great for people to listen to. So just starting off, tell people what made you want to be a teacher. In the beginning. Right. Okay. So, um, again, like you said, my name is Taylor Spencer. And um, since I was a young child, I always wanted to be an educator. Um, I said, you know, when I was three or four years old, I always had the aspiration when somebody asked me what you want to be, I would always say teacher. Um, But in the midst of that, I also knew that I like to sing. So I used to, my two things were I want to be a teacher and I want to be a singer. Mm -hmm. And um, I just kind of stuck to that. Um, And I know I really was the type of kid that loved school also. So once I remember going to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I just absolutely loved school so much. I used to pay attention closely to like how the teacher acted and how the teacher read books. It was always just a thing to me. Um, and so it really just originated from a desire from a, from a young age. And how long have you actually been in a teacher? So I have been, I was a classroom teacher for five years and then I became more like a teacherpreneur, if you will, mm-hmm. um, for the last two years. Okay. And what, mm-hmm. what all responsibilities, I know you see, see you have the tumble bus here. Right. So what, what all responsibilities do you have now? Mm-hmm. So um, after leaving the classroom, I decided to try to find an entrepreneur route to become a teacher. So still basically impacting children in some positive way, but doing it in a way to where it was kind of like on my own time and on my own creativity, if you will. Um, and so basically now I operate two educational service companies. One is called Tumble Bus South Charlotte, and it's a mobile learning and fitness facility. Mm-hmm. So we basically take it around to different schools, daycares, um, preschools, really anywhere where children are. And we pull the bus up and small children can hop on the bus for a variety of different um, classes that infuse music, movement and literacy. And then um, we have the bigger kid programs as well called Beyond Fit that take place on site at the location. Um, so that's that service. And mm-hmm. then aside from that, I have something called Right Now Works, which is basically an educational service company where I'm able to um, train teachers, consult educators, consult with youth developers um, that are trying to also impact children in some positive way. But basically, I help them to do that in a more engaging way. Mm-hmm. So how, however, I can help them to make enhance their program um, by infusing music, movement and literacy. Um, I just kind of consult in that way. So those are my two main. I want to go back just a little bit before yeah. the, the tumble buzz. You were telling us that before it came time to renew your contract mm-hmm. and then something you didn't actually renew. What was it that made you realize, you know, you didn't want to renew your contract? Right. Talk about so that. Um, as a teacher, a lot of people think I left the classroom because I didn't like teaching. And that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to teach so much that I always probably after my third or fourth year, I was like, there's got to be a, a bigger way that I can be. I can expand my reach as a teacher. And so, like I said, from when I was a child, I was always, yes, I like to teach, but I was always a creative. And so I mm-hmm. also wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. I wanted to make music. I wanted to do all this type of stuff. But as a teacher, I feel like I was losing my true childlike desires and things that, I, that was always instilled in me. And so I was like, how can I do that in such a way to where um, I can still teach, but infuse those things as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I literally wanted something else so bad that I just put myself in a situation of like, I call it inspiration from desperation. And ultimately meaning that I had to question myself to say, if you want to change so bad, are you going to put yourself in a situation to where you have to figure it out? And so um, I remember it was like April came around, they handed out the teacher contracts, they sent out the emails. And I was like, you know what? I know I want to change. I know I want to figure this out. So I'm not going to sign my contract. And that's literally what I did. I didn't sign it off of faith. Step out of um, faith. Yeah, just cold, just like that. And you know, some people thought I was crazy. I got a lot of flack from it. A lot of teachers like, you know, what are you doing? This is a crazy idea. How are you going to support yourself? But I knew that at the end of the day, God had me and I was going to figure it out. So and see, as a thing, as an entrepreneur, every, everybody doesn't see your vision. Mm-hmm. So just being a teacher, you saw things that that probably didn't sit well with you in the education. So what, what was it that you feel like maybe in a sense that we were kind of being like the kids were being shortchanged? What, what was it right. something that you felt like they were being shortchanged? Um, I feel like definitely entrepreneurship, you know, just that whole mindset. Uh, I think if I could, you know, I have a variety of things I could share, but that's one big thing that I like to say that I, as an entrepreneur, a teacherpreneur now, I think that entrepreneurship is something that should be instilled in the education system earlier on, mm-hmm. simply because if a, if a child is exposed to something, then that's whenever they're then knowledgeable and they might can say, oh, that's something that I actually want to try. However, if they're never exposed to it, then how are they supposed to know that they can aspire after that? So I think for me, I was blessed enough to 
have that mindset naturally or to obtain that mindset or to have the desire to want to read books and figure it out for myself. Whereas some people might not have that desire, but if they were exposed, perhaps they could have that desire. Right. Cause I feel like, like we were saying off air, um, Growing up, I, I felt like we weren't necessarily so entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Like basically, growing up, we felt like we were just taught, you know, make good grades, go to college, mm-hmm. get your degree. Right. After that, you know, go find a job mm-hmm. and work, mm-hmm. be an employee. Right. And I felt like they didn't never necessarily teach us entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So, how, how early do you feel like we should start incorporating entrepreneurship in schools? I think it should be as soon as a daycare. Honestly, I know that sounds crazy. Be like, how can you do that? There's a lot of ways you can teach the word. You can teach the letter E. The same way you can instill anything else. The same way a child can learn the ABCs. The child can learn and be, begin to be exposed to what the word is. What is that definition? What does that mean? You know, being creative. I think creativity has a lot to do with. That's the underlying um, thing underneath underneath entrepreneurship is creativity. Having mm-hmm. the ability to be innovative, to create. So just not taking that away. Because if you think about it. Um, Young children are very imaginative, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like somewhere in the school system, and it's not just the school system, but somewhere along the lines, that's taken away. And I feel like we have to do a better job as educators and especially within the curriculum of the schools to do a better job to not remove that so much to where kids don't have that, um, I guess, platform to be creative and that platform to be innovative. Because in those spaces is where those entrepreneurial ideas are created. And something as you were saying was that um, teachers, you know, like teachers ask kids what they want to be. And if they say entrepreneur, they say, well, you need to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something mm-hmm, like this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they weren't exposed to it. So now they don't understand the picture, like the, the big picture of entrepreneurship. So, right. Yeah. So, so now they don't realize. So they're telling kids, you know, mm-hmm. to do something safe like that. So, mm-hmm. all right. So back to the tumble bus. One of the things I want to know was mm-hmm. with the bus, how do you actually know like what location that you want to go to? Right. So, um, honestly, I just, I have a territory in which I kind of stick to. So I pretty much cover like the South Charlotte area, um, and surrounding. So I, um, honestly just look up locations of where children are in those spaces. So, you know, for example, I was out in Rock Hill. So whenever I was first trying to find business, I would locate all the summer camps, all the schools, all the preschools, all mm-hmm. the, any locations, churches, anywhere where children were and literally just target them, explain to them what I'm trying to do, um, expose them to what curriculum that I'm trying to get through to the children and just to kind of see if they're interested in, you know, me offering those services to their kids. And how, how do you realize, how do you know what kind of songs that you want to make? Is it something that I've been around the kids that mm-hmm. you see something that they're lacking that makes you come up with these songs? Um, I think I, it, it really does come a lot from inspiration of being around the children, but also just intentionally infusing the things that preschool children already need to know. Um, I have a lot of music so mm-hmm. far that's very preschool based. So I kind of look up um, the standards in which preschool children need to know. And I create music based off of that. But also outside of that, I have a lot of concepts of what I think I think back to my experiences in the classroom All to right. say like, OK, whenever I was trying to be a teacher and I couldn't find songs based upon this. I knew that I was a lacking point then. And so I'm kind of filling in those gaps because there's still not songs to be based off of those um, those standards. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like basically filling in the gaps from what I remember from being in the classroom. And the point I was thinking about earlier just came back to me. Do they, as a teacher, do they let you come up with like, do they get you guys involved in, you know, coming up with a learning plan for the kids or something that mm-hmm. you can add something to? Yeah, um, I think you have a little bit of autonomy, um, depending on the district. You know, every district is different. Every school run is ran differently. Every administrator is different. So it kind of just depends. In my particular case, I feel as though um, I had a little bit of room for autonomy. I wish I could have potentially had more. Um, and I think that's also a drawing point of where I knew I wanted to expand my reach as a teacher because I wanted to do so many other creative based things. And so I kind of um, put myself intentionally in a position to where I could create what I want to create without the parameters of a district. Do you think that school is kind of the school system is kind of behind? They need to adapt the times. And I asked that because during one of my interviews, we did a hip hop roundtable. And one of my friends, he's a, a music artist, uh, mm-hmm. Tevin, and he was saying, you know, we talk about Kanye mm-hmm. and, you know, Kanye is way out there now. It's just right, right. some of his points. But one of the mm-hmm. things he said he did agree with Kanye was saying was, you know, when it comes to the school system, we need to find ways to make teaching fun because mm-hmm. he was saying something like, for instance, like if a kid shoots a couple of basketballs and then he shoots another one, mm-hmm. how many did he shoot? So he's kind of like trying to make it like fun ways for the kids. Do you, right, do you right. feel like because times are changing? So 
we can't expect kids to learn the same way we did. And I think it's hard for mm-hmm. them to kind of sit at a table or desk exactly. for seven, eight hours a day mm-hmm. and try to learn stuff. So do you feel like the school needs, system needs to kind of adapt in certain ways? Absolutely. I think um, school districts can do a better job of uh, equipping their teachers on strategies that exist. You know, I think naturally, um, yes, I think I'm blessed with the ability to be creative and to be engaging, whereas some teachers would be able to implement these things if they were aware. And that's why I found value in not only doing the stuff that I do for children, but also for educators because they impact children as well. So anything that I know, I like to give those ideas back to teachers because I think that's where it lacks is the training on how to be more engaging, how to, you know, not only be more engaging, but be consistent with engagement. You know, you might go to a training, a teacher might go and um, they might be inspired through one or two activities they learn. But it's not just about doing those one or two activities that one time. It's about creating a climate in that classroom that that's how you are every single time. The child needs consistency in the classroom. Do you think that um, like the lack of African-American teachers? has to some degree an impact on kids learning mm-hmm. because I, I, I look at it this way because for me I didn't have a lot of African-American teachers growing up mm-hmm. so it's in a sense I didn't feel like attached or related to my right. teachers because they didn't grow up in the same kind of environment that I grew up mm-hmm. so I, do you think that has kind of an impact on kids learning? I think it can um, you know and I think a lot of people try to use it as, a, as an excuse but you know, because that's not necessarily the reality that we can have the correct ratio of, you know, race to race based teachers. Right. I think the solution to that would be for teachers or educators to be more open and willing to become more culturally aware. And even though, yes, even if you're aware, you're still not going to become that race. It's just some teachers need to do a better job of trying to understand the culture. You know, just because a right. child might be yelling in your classroom, maybe the fact that they're that loud is just their culture at home. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So getting to know students really relationships. The more you know your student and what type of environment they come from, some educators need to do a better job of infusing themselves into that culture of where that child is coming from mm-hmm. that perhaps could, um, you know, combat the issue of what you're you're talking about. And, and is it possible for them to have that? Because I know when you have a lot of kids, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to interact with all of them right. and have that one-on-one time. But mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking about that it was a few years ago. It was a teacher up in Charlotte. I can't remember his name, but mm-hmm. you remember when when the kids came into the classroom, we had like a different handshake right, right, for right. all of those yeah. kids, and mm-hmm. I, I felt like that made like a a difference. Kind of motivated those kids because yeah. he had that mm-hmm. that one on one time yes. with them. I know exactly what you're talking about, and and that's a good point because it's like it's the small things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing. Yeah, as one teacher in the classroom, you can't get to know every single child on this in-depth level. But small things like that, you know, those children that experience that teacher and those cool things, at the end of the day, they're going to remember that. You know what I'm saying? When they're 30, 40 years old, they're going to remember that teacher that they had that special handshake with. So even if the teacher's race doesn't match their students, it's doing small things like those to keep the kids engaged and to keep them wanting to come to your classroom. What would you say is like a pivotal age? Like if we don't catch the kids at this time, Mm -hmm. then it may be too late. I mean, of course, you want to say you can always catch them, but maybe I guess maybe from an entrepreneurial mm-hmm, entrepreneurial mm-hmm. standpoint, right. like if we don't grab these kids now and show them, then by the time they get older, something may be too late. Right. Um, I mean, I think honestly, habits and mindsets are the foundation of habits and mindsets are beginning to get set as soon as the child is pre-K, really. Mm-hmm. So I think as soon as possible, we need to start instilling what we're trying to instill. But um, I would say it, it gets tougher after about third or fourth grade. That's when the child is really developing in their mindset and what they're trying to do. So I would say, you know, that's why uh, even with reading, they say a child, if a child can't read uh, beyond. But once they hit third grade, they're going to have issues from third grade and beyond. So I guess that's the standard based age. But for me, I would say whatever you're trying to instill, regardless of what the standard is, it needs to start as soon as the child enters. What kind of what kind of business would you think would be like? Because I, I, the first thing that comes to mind to me is, you know, like in, on TV or something, you see kids with lemonade stands selling lemonade mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something. What kind of things do you think like a little summertime gig would kind of help spark their mind or something? Right. I think it goes back to the child's interest. You know, I think um, with anything that you're good at, you can monetize anything. You know, we all have gifts. We all have things that um, interest us, things that we really, really want to do. Um, You know, I think that's that's where a child needs to go. If a child is really, really into sports, then helping them to find ways to monetize that. Or if a child is really, really good at, you know, like you said, lemonade stands or create baking, you know, anything like that. Like I like Mm -hmm. to make music, helping kids just need to find a person that is doing what they enjoy and how they're monetizing it and learn from them and do that in a kid friendly way. But of course that comes with a lot of parent support and stuff like that. But I think it goes back to just simply interest. Mm -hmm. 
How, what percentage? Um, it made me think when you said that about the parents. We had mm-hmm. something, an article come out, and it was showing Union and I believe Abbeville how the the learning ratio was so so much different, and how our Union counties was so low. Right. But I, I want to ask you, what what percentage would you say that you know is the teacher responsibility and the parent, and is mm-hmm. of course the student as well? Like, how would you say like who who yeah, needs yeah. to hold the most responsibility in in the child's education? I think um, as far as the it's hard to put a percentage on it. I just I always let parents know that, you know, you're your child's first teacher. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, as soon as they're out of the womb, education begins there. Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of parents have to realize that to say, I mean, I've heard parents say things like, oh, you know, it's a teacher's job to teach my child. Yes, that's accurate. You know, we went to school to do those things. However, um, support at home is just as vital. Mm-hmm. And you can tell as a teacher, whenever you have a child that's not receiving that support at home, that they're lacking more so than the students that do have support. So, you know, without putting a percentage on it, I just want, you know, any parents to realize and understand that, you know, you're the first teacher. Yeah. And then you, of course, you you always hear about those parents that always defend their child no matter what. Right, right, right. So my yeah. child didn't do this, my child mm-hmm. didn't do that. So that makes the job even harder mm-hmm. for, for for kids, you would say? Right. I, I think so. I think, um, you know, parents just have to realize that, yes, teachers are dealing with a lot. But just at the end of the day, as a parent, just do your do what you can. You know, do as much support as you can. And that's going to vary from parent to parent as well. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're providing as much support as you can to that educator, with your child, then you're doing your part. Mm-hmm. What's going on, guys? Hope you are enjoying this episode of Cross the Line featuring Miss Taylor Spencer. And let's start with the giveaway. The first keyword to win the multiplication boards is entrepreneur. That's right, entrepreneur. Now that you have it, inbox me on Instagram with the correct answer and we'll select the winner. Now back to this episode. And I know teaching, teaching is your passion, but mm-hmm. what would you say would be the the most stressful part about all that? Hmm. The most stressful part of being an educator. Um, and, and, be, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it would be like, um, I guess it's different now for me as an entrepreneur doing on the outside, but thinking back to, I guess, my classroom experiences, I think it was like homeschool relations. Just, you know, the child coming into my classroom and we have this certain culture and this certain way that we do things. And then, you know, I would, I would send children home and I couldn't control that environment that they experienced at home. I couldn't mm-hmm. control how much support that parent would give their child at home. So I think that was like the biggest struggle for me as a teacher. Like, I wish that I could take all the kids home and serve them all at home and do the things that we were doing at school all day at home. But that's not reality, obviously. Right. So I think just that homeschool relation piece was tough for me. I was going to ask because, yeah. A lot of times I say teaching, you'll come back and say educator. Would you say, is, is it a difference between teach a teacher and an educator? What would you say would be like the difference? Or is it somewhat the same? I think it's, you know, the words could be interchangeable, but it just kind of depends on the context in which you're using them. I guess I'm just more so used to utilizing educator because anybody can be an educator. You know, you hear teacher and that you, you think, okay, school, you know, like, or daycare or whatever, but educator, anybody's an educator, whether even if you don't have the degree to be a teacher, you can still infuse something positive into a child or teach that child how to do something. You know, the local businessman mm-hmm. that owns the local restaurant can teach children concepts that they can take with them. So I, I think that's, if I had to place it on there, I would say that would be an educator versus a teacher is like the formal professional name. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who would you say um, far as mentors? Mm-hmm. We were talking about that earlier as well. Who would you say were your mentors that kind of help? give you some creativity and some different ideas about entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, I would definitely say, first and foremost, my parents, of course, you know, it started there. Uh, my parents are always supportive, you know, even though they didn't necessarily teach me, you know, explicitly how to be an entrepreneur or explicitly how to be a teacher. At the end of the day, going back to parents being your first teacher, my parents taught me unconditional love and they taught me, um, you know, support of a child. So anytime I wanted to try anything like, oh, mom, I want to go sing at this thing or I want to go write this or I want to go, you know, um, go to this leadership conference or whatever. They was always down for whatever and helping me to do that. So I'll say first my parents and then I guess professionally, um, Dr. Kimberly P. Johnson. And she's actually um, the author. I have some books here, but she actually helped me to write my first book. Um, this book is called No Fear for Freedom. Um, and mm-hmm. she would help me to write. She has an actual book that matches this, but um, I was able to write the instructional guide for it. And she gave me that opportunity. And that was something that exposed me as a classroom teacher to the fact that my dreams of wanting to teach outside of the classroom could be a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why going back to our, our initial conversation, um, exposure matters. 
You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like if I wasn't ever exposed in this way, I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing. So I would I owe a lot to her for that. You know, like we're saying, just that exposure. We, we I didn't necessarily see. I can't speak for everybody. Right. I didn't necessarily see it or didn't really pay it, uh, attention to mm-hmm. to entrepreneurship. But as you get exposed to it, right, it's more and more. But it's something that you were saying was unique. Was that your dad is on? Has always been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He's never worked for anybody else. But right. you were saying your brother. Mm-hmm. Went, went and worked for someone else. Right, right. But you, on the other hand, you went an uh, entrepreneurship way. Like, mm-hmm. what was it? Do you think? Do you think? What was it that you think kind of separated you two? Go yeah, I think that always puzzles me. To be honest, you know, I um, when I be, when I started to have the mindset of okay, you know, I want to try to do this thing on the outside or take this, you know, teaching stuff and do it in an entrepreneurial way. Um, instantly, my mind went to my dad. I was like, okay, maybe this is where this is coming from, but. To, to, to be able to define exactly, you know, why my brother desires to continue to be an engineer um, and do that very well. And I have the desire to be an entrepreneur. That's that's really something that I'm always trying to, um, I guess, figure out, you know, where does that mindset piece come from? Mm-hmm. And I think the only answer that I'm able to come up with now is I feel like it goes back to um, simply personality. I think it goes back to desire it, and it goes back to just fulfilling your desires and staying in your lane and just do it you know everybody's different i think that's just as cliche as that is everybody's different everybody has their own path and you just got to walk it out absolutely and i want to i want to bring this point up again because we we were talking about it earlier and i kind of like man i want to say this for the podcast but but i'll break it up again so two of my (laughs) friends you know i'll tell you they had this spark this great conversation and so many people were Mm -hmm. chiming in and uh i know that i know they won't mind me talking about it but the initial part of it was Whenever I get invited to entrepreneur events in Atlanta, everyone at the table looks like me. In South Carolina, everyone that looks like me only wants to work for BMW or one of its suppliers. Mm-hmm. Where's the disconnect and who is responsible for this brainwashing? Also, I know we, we all don't have the same dreams, just questioning the norm. But then the initial response to it was, what's wrong with working at BMW? Everybody's not meant to be a CEO. People in these plants make an honest living. What's wrong with that? The honest living kept you fed, raised, and y'all killed me with that. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a lot of unemployed dreamers and entrepreneurs, bro. I work and learn skills to put myself in a better situation. Just because you choose different, don't mean no everybody else do. Mm-hmm. So, what was your? When we were talking about that, what was like your mm-hmm. thoughts to all of that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think both people have very solid points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it's agree. obviously two different perspectives, mm-hmm. but very solid points. And again, going back to what I was just sharing, I think it just goes back to. Um, it goes back to mindset. You know, I think the only the only way that we can combat the issue is I don't think you control you can control grown people's mindset. Right. Um, but I think that if someone is exposed and they still choose to take the route of you know being employed by another person and that's their route and they're comfortable with that, then that's them. And you know, I respect them for doing that because, mm-hmm. like you said, you can make an honest living working for a company and some people are um, more designed or better designed to, um, you know, continue someone else's path and, and fulfill that and work in that uh, capacity versus some people like that's just not their interest. Like that's not my interest to do that. Exactly. And that's why I made a choice to do it differently. But that doesn't mean I slight someone who chooses, you know, to work for a company. Right. And I, and I feel like they both made great points too. Mm-hmm. I, I think what kind of threw it off was when he used the word brainwash. Yeah. And yeah. I guess he, and I, I can't speak for them, Mm-hmm. But I just felt like in the sense it may maybe felt like, you know, if if you work for an employee, if you don't if you haven't created your own opportunity, if you work right. for a BMW or something, then you're brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the point. And I don't think he was trying to say that. Yeah. But I guess that's how it kind of came off. Like if mm-hmm. you work for somebody else, then you're you're brainwashed. But in a sense, it's it's not that because some people are comfortable, like the point I made was some people are comfortable with just Working a job and exactly. taking care of their family, but mm-hmm. you can get too comfortable with just just working there. Like I said, like the guy mm-hmm. at my job, he was uh, upset one day when I came in and talked to him and said, "You all right?" He was like, "Yeah, I'm just." He said, "Man, I'm just mad because they didn't have my picture on the wall with everybody else for perfect attendance." Mm-hmm. And and it's it's nothing wrong with it. I'm not knocking you because I think you should take pride in anything that you do. Right, right. But at the same time, I'm like, man, if imagine if you were that invested in whatever you truly cared about, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. majority of people that were there when I was there, they were only there just to pick up a paycheck. Right. It's like they they didn't really want to be there. They mm-hmm. just had felt like they had to do that, to pick up a paycheck, take care of their family. Right. But I just look at it like, imagine if you take that time and effort mm-hmm. and put that into whatever you really cared about, and exactly. imagine. 
what you could do. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And I think, uh, again, though, it's just, it's something to where either you have it or you don't. You know, mm-hmm. and I think when someone's, when someone's exposed to it, and again, they still choose to continue that same path, then, you know, that's just something that we can't necessarily control. But I do think that it needs to be exposed so that for someone who might want to make that change, they can then be inspired to do so. Mm-hmm. But of course, some people will say, well, I have a family. Mm-hmm. I have to take care of all my kids and everything. But it's still like at some point, yeah. you still have to figure out a way to, to do it. Because like I was saying, like for me, my breaking point was when I was working two jobs mm-hmm. and I just fell into the cycle of working from five to 10 in the morning. Right. Then I would get a break and then I would go work three to 1130. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I was just doing over and over working 13, right. 14 like hours a, a day in a mm-hmm. cycle over and over and over. And all the only thing I was doing was paying student loans, mm-hmm. man, credit card, car payment and taking care of my family. And I was just like, man, it's got to be another way. Because right. I mean, like, is this it? Like, yeah, that's yeah, it. And I was just like, like, man, I, I know it's, life is not meant to be lived mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. to where I'm just constantly doing the same thing over and over in the same cycle. So, yeah. and I and I wasn't using my my uh, my degree because I went for for broadcasting and mm-hmm. well, basically I went for uh, computer programming. I did that just because of money. And one thing about it, like I was saying, like for me after graduation, I felt like you're supposed to go to college. Like yeah. that's what like that's normal. Like after mm-hmm. at the high school, you go to college, get your degree. And then go find a job. Right, like and, that was instilled in you. Yeah, that was right? instilled in yeah. me. Like that's that's all I knew, mm-hmm. and I just felt like, man, like in a sense, we kind of put a lot of pressure on kids because when you ask somebody, a teenager, what they want to do for mm-hmm. do for the rest of their life, like it's it's hard because you change your mind all the time, like what right. you want to do. Yeah. So so all of that, man, it, it just made it just made me say, oh, wait a minute. I, I and, and of course reading. I know a lot yeah. of people don't yeah. like to read, but mm-hmm. like reading was another thing that sparked my mind. It's like, man, there's so much more to life mm-hmm. than just going, picking up a paycheck and doing exactly. something that you don't really care about. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like, like you say, it, it definitely needs to be instilled. Right. But it's like, how how do you, is it a way to kind of motivate them to, mm-hmm. to want more? I think it is. I'm really big on the fact that entrepreneurship, leadership, creativity, all that has to start. It needs to be a part of the curriculum. First, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, I think that that would at least alleviate the excuses of the people who say, like, well, if I knew a better way, then I would have chose that way. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like if that if they're, you know, pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, you're starting to instill like, oh, one day when you grow up, you can be a nurse, you can be a doctor, you can, you know, be a teacher. Oh, but you can also be an entrepreneur and open up your own business. Mm-hmm. I think that verbiage and that language and that piece is what's missing. You know, mm-hmm. just to simply even be able to expose a child to that that concept exists and to then show them, you know, these types of people exist in our community as well. I think that would alleviate the fact of saying, you know, I didn't know. You know, because right. I hear a lot of people say, you know, if I would have known what I knew, you know, at this age when I was 16, when I was younger, well, it's like, well, the school system could do something about that by simply just embedding the practices of entrepreneurship so mm-hmm. the kids could be able to understand like, oh, this is an option for me. This is something that I also can do. Um, and they would put their mind there if they had the desire to, right. you know, and simply just because you say, oh, entrepreneurship exists, here's something you can try to do. Doesn't mean that they're going to choose that route because we exactly. still need doctors. We still need teachers. We still need nurses. We still need all of these other jobs. Absolutely. But we also need somebody that's going to run the store down the street. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We need the person that's going to start the, the, the T-shirt company. We need the person that's going to start whatever. You, we need everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think you just have to give them their option. Yeah, like yeah. I said, we I didn't really know about it, but as I got older and, and doing the things I do now, like now really that's kind of like all I pay attention to. I, mm-hmm. I love to watch the Breakfast Club when they have entrepreneurs on and, right. and, and different people, like we said with Gary Vee. And and watching that stuff now, that's kind of like really what I pay attention mm-hmm. to. I, I didn't I didn't see it back then. So do you kind of feel like school intentionally doesn't put that in, in there because mm-hmm. they don't want you to know about it or, or why do they leave mm-hmm. it out? I think I think that can have something to do with it, you mm-hmm. know, and I know, I know that's very controversial and people would go back and forth about that. But I do think that um, the school system does a wonderful job of preparing, intentionally preparing employees mm-hmm. very much so, because, again, it's left out. You know what I'm exactly. saying? And, and some people catch it and some people realize, like, OK, I need another way. And some people don't. The majority of people don't. And, um, you know, because that is our reality, I do feel like it's something that is probably done intentionally. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think it's also something that can be changed and altered. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm doing the stuff that I do to impact children the way that I do. 
yes, because I love this stuff and I want to teach, but also I like to do what I'm doing so that I can inspire a young child to look up and say, you know, what, I can do that kind of stuff, too. Welcome back once again, guys. Hope you are really learning something from this episode with Miss Taylor Spencer. Now, for the final giveaway for the last two learning boards, the keywords are tumble bus. That's right, tumble bus. Now that you have those keywords, inbox them on Instagram, and we'll select the winner. And back to the rest of this episode. Enjoy. And I and I say that in a way about intentional because, like I was telling Calvin, like sometimes when we're at work, we, we talk about history and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm reading the history of the Black Dollar. It's like, man, there's so much stuff in this book that. They didn't really teach us about our people. Like, of right. course, they teach you about Martin Luther King and, mm-hmm. and Rosa Parks and mm-hmm. Harry Tubman, but exactly. they don't they don't really teach you about everybody else. So it's yeah. like kind of like the system intentionally leave leave stuff out. Absolutely. Like they don't want you to know about mm-hmm. it. So that's how, how do we get them to you know? Like I asked you, well, do they get you guys involved in it? But like, how how do we mm-hmm. as a as a culture get people like the the stuff that we want to learn about? How do mm-hmm. we put that in? In the school right. system, I think uh, it, it's it's good. It just takes, sadly, it takes more intention. Again, I know I keep on using the words intentional, but it has to be intentional. You know, mm-hmm. if we're not taking it upon ourselves to expose our children to our history, it's, it is not happening. It hasn't been happening for years. And until we, um, you know, yes, we can you know create changes and, and provide a curriculum suggestions and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that's going to take time, mm-hmm. and that's time that we're wasting. If you you know, I'm the type of person where if you want to change, create the change. And exactly. so I feel like, again, for me, that's why I'm doing stuff intentionally to get to the kids myself so that if the children I come in contact with, I can expose them to that and I, and I can inspire other educators to do the same. But I think it's just going to take us doing what we can as a people to educate our children on our history. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I appreciate what you're doing, because, like I said, I, I love to kind of bring attention to what, mm-hmm. what people are doing, because a lot of times. Like the stuff that you're doing, what other entrepreneurs are doing, like we don't necessarily bring the attention to it that it right, deserves. Right. Like, like you turn on the news, a lot of times you're showing like how people are being killed mm-hmm, all the time. Mm-hmm. And like my one of my professors, I wish I had more time, spent more time with him. I only had one semester with him, but he yeah. was saying if it bleeds, it leaves. Wow. So basically, mm-hmm. somebody's dying or something. That's what's that's what's being put on the news exactly. on the forefront exactly. instead of the stuff that you guys doing, which is, which is deserved to bring mm-hmm. that attention to it. You might, they may, like you said, they may give you like a minute and a half, two minutes. Right. And then it's back to somebody else dying again. Right. So I, that's why I said I really appreciate what you, what you guys are doing because mm-hmm. it's, it's so important for, for the kids and, and more attention needs to be brought to them. Yeah. So talk talk a little bit more about the tumble bus. Where, where can people find find everything? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I appreciate you and this and what you're doing also. Bring, it, bring a light to this. But. Um, yes, yeah, so Tumble Bus is a, again, like I said at the beginning, a mobile literacy and fitness facility. And um, we literally take this school bus and um, take it around to different preschools, daycares, and elementary schools and teach a curriculum that infuses um, literacy and fitness um, on the bus. So that's basically the basis of that. But again, outside of just the bus, um, the bigger program also implements similar programs, but for bigger kids off of the bus as well. Um, and through the business, I'm able to infuse my own music. This is a CD called Move and Learn um, that um, has a lot of preschool-based standards that are um, on the songs. And then in the midst of all of this, I've been able to expand my reach as a professional developer, helping educators to be better engagers for their classrooms, um, child care providers, any youth developers, helping them in that sense. Um, and then recently, I just started a kids YouTube channel called Taylor G Kids TV. And um, that's for me to reach more kids, even outside of my own territory. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as one person, my big vision and mission in life is to positively impact as many kids as possible. And I know that this day and age, a lot of our kids are where? Always on their phones, always on their YouTube, iPads. Yeah. So it's if, like I'm trying to be that teacher that's reaching as many kids as possible. I knew I had to get on YouTube. So I just started yeah. that as well. Um, Tumblebus is www.tumblebussouthclt.com, short for Charlotte. And then um, I have a personal website, taylord.org.de. And um, the YouTube channel is Taylor D Kids TV. So that's D-E-E. Also, speaking of YouTube, do you do you yeah. think YouTube is is bad for kids? I don't I think it it needs to be the, the duration of the timing in which children are on YouTube and on their iPads. I think there's it's a positive thing to have, um, you know, parameters mm-hmm. around the timing in which they're on there. However, I think technology and YouTube itself is a great thing. Um, kids learn in that way. Kids like technology. Um, they're motivated by it. So right. I think, again, as educators and as influencers, 
we have to do our part to reach kids where they are. And again, if they on the iPad, then I feel like I need to be on the iPad too. Right. <laughs> now, because for some reason, my kids, they have this, it's the strange thing. I don't know, maybe it's just mine, but they have this thing to where they get on YouTube and they like to watch other kids play with toys. Yes. I don't know what it is about <laughs> that, but they love to watch mm-hmm. other kids play with toys yes. and, and the and the the LOL dolls and oh stuff my God. like that. So like, Ryan, 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 yes. everybody knows about Ryan, yeah. the YouTube kid Ryan's. Like if I could be Ryan when I was a kid, yeah, <laughs> like it's crazy. Along. I'm just like, what yeah. is it that <laughs> it's so fascinating to watch other other kids? I play don't know. With, with I honestly don't know what that's about. But again, I feel like we can use it for good. And, you know, whatever we got to do to make the kids learn in using that platform, I think we got to do it. But, yeah. So are they using tablets in schools now? Yes. Um, I know the district that I came from, every child in the school had their own iPad. Um, They were able to check those iPads out. I know a lot of high schools and uh, middle schools have actual laptops. So, yes, it's becoming more of a personalized thing in the more affluent districts. I know um, other districts are trying to get there as well. What would you say um, for you was like, and I know you still have a long way to go like you, you say you mm-hmm. still have so many things you want to cover but so right. far if you had to lay it out what would you say is like your blueprint for success mm. honestly I would just say and again it's cliche right because you hear these things and it's like until you live in it right. and it's like okay they're really not playing um, but I say the blueprint is literally just um, the work you know like there's no way around the work you know so many mm-hmm. people are trying to find this fast way to get there mm-hmm. or you know this quick remedy on how to make a lot of money but it's literally like day in and day out the same consistent grind you know there's that word the grind the grind the process like all of that's so cliche but it's the biggest truth right so i think literally just waking up every day creating a plan to say by the end of today here's the things i'm going to do and this is going to get me just a step closer that's literally what has you know mm-hmm. what's helped me to get here that's one of the things i always say um, when I post something, I was mm-hmm. put my hashtag across the line and respect the process because it's right. like it's, it's it's no way around. It. It's like you yeah, you have really to, you have you have to go through it. Yeah. It's like it's, it's just no way to cheat success. Like mm-hmm. you have to go through That's it. That's so true. That's and to so get true. to get to to get to where you want to. Yes, and it's even like now I respect anybody who I've ever looked up to. I respect them so much more now. You know, it's like I'm trying to like live in this phase and get you know I'm on this journey or whatever. But it's like people who have quote unquote made it. I've gained such a higher respect for them because they put in that work. So mm-hmm. like anybody who has got themselves to a place of, you know, any sense of success, I commend them, you know, mm-hmm. and hats off to them because I see that it's hard. And one of the people <laughs> that I interviewed Miss Dr. Nika White, she's mm-hmm. very successful. She believes in multiple streams of income. And right. She has a consulting firm and they help fund minority businesses, Airbnb, like so mm-hmm. many different things. And, and she said something to me that kind of stood out. She would say, you know, as an entrepreneur, at times you'll go through this phase of, of where you just want to be alone and just mm-hmm. like in your own little little space. Right. So we're isolation. Yeah. Is what she said. And it, and it was like, you know, some, cause sometimes I have those moments where, you know, like my friends, they go out and I love my friends, but sometimes I, I don't even want to do any of that. Yeah. Like I'm just so driven mm-hmm. and focused on my goal. That, you know, sometimes I'll just, just stay at home. But, but what are some things that you feel like some characteristics you feel like an entrepreneur has mm-hmm. and what will you know that you have the entrepreneur bug? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, well, first of all, like you have the bug whenever you, you realize that you have the bug when you have a desire to do something, you can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big number one sign. It's like, if you've always said you want to do this and every single day you wake up, that thing is on your mind. It's mm-hmm. like, you got to get yourself to a place to where you do that thing. Otherwise you're not going to be happy and you're not going to, um, be content with where you are. So mm-hmm. I think that's number one. Um, as far as characteristics of you, what an entrepreneur needs, mm-hmm. is, that, is that what we're, we're right. doing? I would say um, consistency, consistency, consistency. Everybody says it. You yes. have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, it's one thing to just do it one time and be cool and get a little, you know, some shares on Facebook. It's another thing to wake up and do it every single day until you get to the place in which you want to get to. And even then, it's still a journey, mm-hmm. you know. So I think just being able to accept the fact that it's a journey and there's no real destination. You know, we're all working so hard towards this thing, but it's a path that we're going to be on anyway. So it's just like do what you can, um, you know, the best you can. Um, what else? I think uh, being disciplined, self-discipline, that's really big. You know, I, I went from having to be told that I have to show up for bus duty at 645 or 730 or whatever time to now I don't have to get up for nobody. Like nobody's right. here knocking on my door. Nobody's yeah, calling absolutely. my phone saying where you are. So that requires a lot of self-discipline that, you know, I have this conversation with some of my friends and they say, like, I commend you because I can't do that. You know, and I think it goes back to just knowing yourself mm-hmm. because 
if you're the type of person that needs that somebody to, you know, get you to get to a place or you have to have that location or somebody checking for you, then it might not be for you. Right. But if you have self-discipline and you're willing to get up and grind every single day, then you might have a bug. Yeah. And I, I just always have the itch. And, mm-hmm. and it's just certain things, even like I, I always take things from, from my job, like, you know, being on time, being respectable. Right, right. Like, but it's it's some stuff that kind of made me like, you know, I don't, I don't really... This is why it push, pushed me even more to mm-hmm. it. Because sometimes, like, even in small things, like, respect. I'm very big on respect. Right. But sometimes at, at jobs, they they tend to... Not necessarily me, because I I speak my mind. I'm very respectful. But if if you just rub me the wrong way mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. get disrespectful, then I have an issue. Right. But it's just sometimes just seeing how... People in higher positions talk down on other people just because, mm-hmm. yeah, you might have more money and you might have a high position, but we're still human. Absolutely. Like I have a family just like you, so that doesn't right. give you the right to to treat people any kind of way. And mm-hmm. and knowing and, and other times also knowing you might be more qualified for, for a position, mm-hmm. but sometimes they'll give the job to somebody just because they're more comfortable with them. Right. And and I always felt like, you know what, I know I have this experience. I know I can do the job, but since I kept getting, and I still hear no to this day, mm-hmm. so I don't want people watching this to think, well, man, I've made it because I've, I've had some, 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 all of my interviews have been great. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't want people to take it the wrong way, but it's like, it's just, just the respect. You have to, you have to be able to respect people. So it's just some of those little small things mm-hmm. that always push me towards, like, you know, creating my own lane and, yeah. and I always want to help bring people up along with me because I feel mm-hmm. like that's part of entrepreneurship as well it, it absolutely is and i feel like that's it's good that you make that point because a lot of people um i've seen it you know on, on this ground on this journey where people won't necessarily want to help you because they feel like you know if they help you to get on or whatever that's gonna not shine enough light on them but at the end right. of the day what people need to realize is when we work together and when we sh- shine and show each other that's whenever we can become you know father because it's a network at the end exactly. of the day we're all impacting people so the more people we can impact no matter what industry you're in or whatever you're doing I think it's a people game. You know exactly. what I mean? You got to get to the people first. So the more we can help each other in that way, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, it's not what you know is like who you, you know. know. Yep. And sometimes who knows you as yeah. well. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's networking is is huge, man. Absolutely. Like, And I and I realized that now because so, so many people, like when I started out, people, I, I would ask some of the people, like, hey, you know anybody that's interested in doing an interview or something? Mm-hmm. And they just say, well, you should reach out to such and such right, and it's right. just more and more mm-hmm, like more mm-hmm. more there's a lot of how a lot of my interviews came about right and it just networking is is so 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 big nowadays mm-hmm. but um since you have so much going on just tell us what what do you like to do in your spare time to kind of get away from all this spare time like what is spare time yeah. right um what do I like to do? I think I really find value in um, just helping people, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that seems like, oh, of course, you're going to give that positive, great answer. But I really like because I think I'm a knack, like in the midst of all this is all great and all. But I think at the end of the day, I'm a teacher and I, that's why I find so much value in learning information myself so I can pour back into other people. I love doing that. So even like mm-hmm. I'll go and tell like somebody's like, how'd you write your book? What did you do? Like just giving that information back and having the time to do that and sit down and really help somebody. I literally find so much joy in doing that. Like mm-hmm. seriously. Something else I want to talk about was was we were talking about Gary V. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that, you know, he made you actually sell your home. Kind of to kind of <laughs> talk about that a little bit. That was that was crazy. Yeah. So um going back to just like, you know, embedding information into yourself and surrounding yourself around positive information and um, you know, listening to other successful entrepreneurs. We were having that conversation mm-hmm. and um, you were speaking on Gary Vee. So one day I was listening to um, Gary Vee had a chat. If you don't know Gary Vee, definitely check him you out. Check him out. Um, so dope. He has lots of good information. So he was saying, you know, if you are, if you own a business and um, you're not exactly where you want to be and you own your home, then you were sitting on an asset that could potentially get you to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And when he said that and I was listening to it, I felt like he was speaking directly to me because I bought my house straight out of college um, thinking that that was the best move. And at that time it was, you know, I wanted to not um, have rent or whatever. So I was just making that decision, not knowing that in four years or two or three years, I was going to go into business. So now it's like, I know where I'm trying to get to as far as my business. So why am I going to sit on this asset that I have that could potentially fund my business and get me farther right. whenever I can use that money and those funds to, to, you know, to push me along the way. So when I heard that, I literally put my house on the market like two weeks later. So. And then after that, did you end up coming back home or? No, I, I, I just went it 
for the for the year. This is still current, by the way. Like I'm planning oh, okay. to move. Yeah, um, after the home is officially sold, I plan to um, just rent for a little bit and use those funds to get me back into a position to where then I can buy a house that I want to actually, you know, reside in. Because I wasn't in the home that it was like my dream home or anything. Anyway, it was just like a starter location. But now I find I see that the value of the home is different for me now. You know, then it was for right. me to have to pay rent, but now it's like use that asset. You know, project my mm-hmm. business farther, and then I can, of course, buy a home later. In the book, I was telling you about, and I said in my previous interviews, "Rich Dad, Poor Dad." Mm-hmm. It, it 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 talks about a lot of this stuff as yeah. well, and how some people like rich look at a home as a liability, poor mm-hmm. people look at it as an as an asset. So it's so right, many things. Right. Like when I started reading, along with just getting to, the breaking point for me was having those two jobs. Mm-hmm. So that pushed me away, and then reading. They right. kind of helped spark my mind Absolutely. as to like you know mm-hmm. this this is this is the way to go. No, but and that's it, so important. You, you speaking on reading like that's what I promote. I mean, you keep on that's my language right there. I mean, I you know I promote it to children, but also for adults. You know, mm-hmm. you hear reading, reading is so good, and that's embedded. You know, elementary school, and it kind of dwindles. And mm-hmm. it's just like that's so vital for even adults, no matter the age. Because at the end of the day, you can always learn vital information inside of a book. Like no matter mm-hmm. what you're trying to do or whatever, the information is there. Yeah, self education. So, you have to educate yourself. You do. And, uh, and it's something that when I I try to stay off Facebook because it's some of the stuff I see on there is it just blows like my a mind. Distraction, right? Yeah, it's a it just it's a distraction. And one of the things that I see people do all the time is hey. What's a good movie on Netflix? And mm-hmm. I see that all the time. And I'm like, man, I wish people had the same energy when it comes to reading a book. Hey, what's right, a good right. book to read? Mm-hmm. If, if people did that more often, man, I'm telling you, like, it yes. would make such a big difference. But Absolutely. people just, I, I don't know, man. It, yeah. It's just something, just, it's just different. But um, talk about, you know, selling your home and and different things. You're still going through that process now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, just talk about faith. Like, how, how important is faith as an entrepreneur? Oh, I think it's number one. You know, going mm-hmm. back to those characteristics, you know, let's rewind back because that is literally it. You have to believe not only in yourself, but you have to believe in a higher power to know that that per that, you know, whatever the higher power is, everybody's religion is different. But for me, I knew that God had me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I was able to sit in that peacefully is because I did have that faith. So, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a lot of people say believe in yourself, but you got to believe in that power that you know has you anyway, because yourself can only go so far. We're human beings. So at mm-hmm. the end of the day, Taylor's going to fail, you know, right. but at the end of the day, that failure is going to lead me to something greater simply because I know God's going to allow that to happen. And I think it's, it's just so important because on, on my journey, it's been a lot. And I'm still, and sometimes I still have situations where I'm like, man, it's, it still gets a little shaky at yeah, times. Yeah, it's it not does. perfect, but mm-hmm. it's like, man, you just have to step out on faith. And if, if you really want something, right? No matter how bad things get, like mm-hmm. if you really want it, exactly. like you, you just gotta go for it. You because do. It just, it's just so much that goes on, man. Mm-hmm. I just look at it like I feel like one of the things we talked about a long time ago was that. I would rather live life saying, oh, well, knowing I tried and it didn't work. Right. Than saying, what if, like not knowing, had I not stepped out on faith, had I not even at least attempted to do it, exactly. then what, what could have been. Right. So I, I would rather just take, I'd rather take that chance mm-hmm. because you, 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 never, you never know. You really don't. Yeah, I know. Um, going back to my mentor, I heard um, her say, so I'm getting a PhD right now, too. So when you said that, it made me think. Okay. Um when I was making the decision if I wanted to advance my education, you know, because I'm in this industry to the highest, should I do it or should I not? I was going back and forth, back and forth. And I remember she saying, you can either let these three years pass by with with the PhD or you can let these three years pass by without one. You know, the same way with life. You can either let your life pass by with you following your dreams and getting there or you cannot do it. Either way, you're going to die at the end of life anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to what you were saying before this um interview here you were making mention of yeah uh ben, ben hall he said yeah. you can't get out of life alive i think yeah. that's so powerful. Really, yeah it is that's true man yeah I because like it's, that. it's nobody that's gonna be at the end of your life with a reward saying congratulations right. you made it out of life exactly. alive. you exactly. gotta go just like everybody else <laughs> exactly everybody has a checkout time mm-hmm. so so why not and he was saying you know he would as an entrepreneur he wish he would have started earlier right but he said why not he said well, because the longer you wait the harder life gets mm-hmm. and it's harder to break free and really go after what you want to do that's true but that's man so that's, that's good yeah, yeah. that's that's man <laughs> ben is one of my favorite people man I, I love going back like i was saying it's one of the interviews where mm-hmm. a lot of them i love watching my interviews but that one i just just if i'm in my car i can just turn it on and just listen to the right. audio because it's, it's just so much stuff and as like you said as you Pay attention to more and more entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It's like success leaves clues. 
So they all kind of say some of the same similar things. Yeah. You might think it's cliches, but it's it's so true. It's, yeah. And it's like they're saying it for a reason, right? Exactly. And now I see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and taking a chance, back to taking a chance, it's like you, you never know. And mm-hmm. sometimes all it takes is takes is to ask somebody for help. Absolutely. It's okay to ask for help because you know. A lot of my, like I was saying, a lot of my interviews, like I see people post things and I reach out to them. Hey, would you be interested in doing an interview? Mm-hmm. But one of the ones I remember just, I just took a chance on doing is I, I followed DL Hughley on, on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And he actually, he wanted his photographer is from Atlanta. His, his, um, his, his son is Lil Yachty. Okay. So I happened to just actually just, you know, I just browsing on there and I just seen him on there and I'm mm-hmm. like, man. Let me just, he's in Atlanta. It's not too far from here. Let me just reach out to him and see what he'd be interested in doing an interview. So right. not knowing what was going to happen, yeah, he could have yeah. easily said mm-hmm. yes or no. Exactly. I just happened to reach out to him and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And would you be interested in doing an interview? And mm-hmm. next day, I know maybe like an hour later, he reached out, he reached back out to me and said, hey, I want my, he said, I love helping young journalists. And said, right. I want yeah. my happy rock. Awesome. And then one thing he said was kind of what really sold him on my interview was because he saw how I carried myself on my page, like right, what I was yeah, doing yes. in the community mm-hmm. and giving, giving people a platform, which is so important. But it's, it just goes back to, man, mm-hmm. just had I not stepped out on faith and and, I, and as I keep doing it and taking these chances, like right. you never know these people that you will meet along your journey exactly. that will help you mm-hmm. elevate it and continue on your road to success. Oh, that's so true. Yep. It takes that, yes. And like I said, it, t- it takes that, just that first step. You know, that, mm-hmm. that really, like, your first interview has led you to all the other ones that you've done yeah. beyond that. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. just being obedient to that. Started out with, with mentors to right. comedians, uh, mm-hmm. professional athletes, people. Like, even having you here today. Yeah. You know, I just happened to just see you, see the stuff that you were doing so positive. I was like, mm-hmm. man, there's no way, like, why are we not paying more attention to this kind of wow, stuff? Yeah. It's like. I, I appreciate that, too. Yeah, yeah. It's just so much negativity. Like, like we just. Like, mm-hmm. what's the guy's name now that is telling lies? Uh, this, uh, oh, you're talking about um, uh, Empire, the yeah, guy. Yeah, it's knowledge. just like yeah. so much attention. We, we'll we put so much attention on something like that mm-hmm. instead of something that you're doing. It's like, man, what are we what are we really doing? Right. Like, it's, yeah. it's like it's so easily easy to get a sidetrack. Mm-hmm. But back to some something positive, <laughs> though. Right. right to the education field. How, how do you see edu- the education field changing within the next five to ten years? Uh, I'm not big on like the how much time it's going to take, but I do think eventually education is going to have to turn towards more entrepreneurship and creativity. Um, I think entrepreneurship is on the horizon. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, millennials and um, individuals are becoming more, uh, you know, awakened to these concepts and the ability to have all of the tools in the world to become who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think as technology continues to advance, continues to advance, and the more people have access to basically putting themselves on. Education is going to have to change because people are going to resort to doing it themselves. And in order for education to thrive, it's going to have to be tweaked a little bit. Because what hap- what hap- would have happened if something happened? You work at a job and then they start downsizing. Then what? Right. What What do you have? So it's, exactly. it's kind of like entrepreneurship is kind of like mm-hmm. I, I I hate this. I don't want to say a backup plan, but in a way, it's kind of. It's a, it's a good thing because, like I said, like mm-hmm. if you do, if you lose your job, then right. entrepreneurship yeah, exactly, on. exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think you know we're all unique as individuals, and everybody's good at something. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's very unique. Everybody has some skills, some talent, and I think that's on purpose. You know, I don't think we have these different skills and talents just for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a great journalist. You're not a great you know all things that you're great at. You're not just those for no reason. You don't just wake up and say like, oh, I want to start doing interviews. The same right. way people don't just wake up and say, oh, I want to just write a whole bunch of kids, listen to kids' music, like. We have our interests for a purpose, mm-hmm. and we have to make sure that we are utilizing those things in a in a positive way, and in a way that can also monetize. You know, our, mm-hmm. our business. We have to live. Right, exactly. And, and purpose is so deep because, like, yeah. I, like I told you, my internships, I was covering the Hornets and Panthers. So mm-hmm. this, the podcast started out initially as kind of like a sports podcast because you. my two mentors were the first two on, and then I just started talking to other people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this. When I bounce around to different businesses and ask them how they got started, it's like, man, it's so much more than just sports. So, yeah. of course, I still love my sports now. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I can sit up there with Stephen A., Skip, Shannon Sharp, any of those guys. Right, right. But it's just like so much more to to life than just sports now. And, right. and even in, even when you see successful people, they do more than just what they're great at. Like LeBron James is yes. a, a great businessman. Mm-hmm. He's more than just basketball. Exactly. Like he, he's. He has so many different investments and different businesses. Opening mm-hmm. up schools, it's like 
your following your passion can open up so many other yeah, doors for that's you. That's good. That's so true. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's even more of a reason to do it. You know, oftentimes people, and I think that's good because like even for me speaking to that, I went through a phase where it's like, how do I commit to going after this one thing? You know, the whole kid thing. Like that's kind of like I feel like I was committing to something when I had all these other you know, aspirations or things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you focus on that and become who you want to be in that, that's going to expose everything else you're trying to do. Exactly. You know, so I think that's powerful. Just a few more questions and, yeah, then, we'll, okay. and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Looking back so far, is there anything you wish that you would have done differently? I would say no. I'm not a person that like really regrets. I think um, you go through, nothing happens by chance. I'm really big on that. I don't think that my life has gone the way that it has gone for any other purpose than the fact that it was supposed to go that way. Mm-hmm. And that has led me to where I am today. So I think I appreciate all of those experiences. If I had to change anything, I think I would say, um, you know, I wish that I was entrepreneur sooner, you know, right. I, wish I could be doing it my Start way sooner. Um, you know, everybody always says that, but I think that's really the only thing I appreciate ultimately everything I've gone through because it helped me to be strong enough to be, you know, who I am today and to help me sustain what I'm doing today. I wish I would have started sooner. Sometimes I like reading and learning, teach, teaching myself a lot of these different mm-hmm. things. I like I learned so much from more from entrepreneurs. Sometimes I kind of wish, even though I have my degree from upstate, sometimes yeah. I wish, you know, I wish I didn't. Sometimes I, I hate saying it because the education is great, but sometimes right. I wish I didn't go to college because mm-hmm. I feel like at times some of the stuff that I've learned a lot more from the people that I've interviewed right. than actually sitting in the class going to art history, which mm-hmm. I never use again. So right. it's like sometimes <laughs> at times I wish and something that you said that was important was um like you said about kids writing checks and stuff like that. Like yeah, with school life, life skills. Life skills, yeah. yeah. Like I think, you know, school is great. Obviously I'm a teacher and I love education. But I think again, going back to the curriculum, there's certain things that need to be instilled in the curriculum, like those life skills. You know, I feel like a, a high school senior should not graduate without the basic facts of like, you know, taxes, you know, how mm-hmm. to, you know what I'm saying? Like basic things like that. Um, how to write a check, how to write, like even a lot of, you know, handwriting is out of the curriculum now. Mm-hmm. Kids even know how to sign their name, just basic things. Yeah. I think in education, we can't forget or get too far away from basic natural things. Right. And I, I think South Carolina, they are looking at a bill to pass to where in order to graduate, you have to have some kind of financial, you have to pass some kind of financial yes. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what it was, but they're trying to pass some kind of financial bill or bill that where you have to learn some kind of pass some kind of okay, financial okay. test right. in order to graduate. So mm-hmm. I think that is, in in a sense, a great start Absolutely. to you know entrepreneurship. Yes. And I think it'll only continue. Those things will kind of come back. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a firm believer in that. I, I really hope so. But um, just two more questions and we'll get out of here. Okay. You're from, from Bowling Springs, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you actually see the Tumblebus coming to this upstate area? Well, there's actually, so Tumblebus is actually a corporate company in itself. So there's about 300 buses that exist in the nation. So there's a Tumblebus Spartanburg actually that exists. I run the South Charlotte bus. Um, okay. So yes to that question. There's already kind of one that runs in this area. I think for me, beyond Tumblebus, um, I have a vision that's going to, I guess, expand um, it's going to be releasing and dropping soon, but basically I'm going to use the tunnel bus as a tool to mobily get to children, but I'm going to grow the company to provide a bigger enrichment opportunity for more kids. So I think that's going to kind of be my growth plan as far as that. And then, of course, to grow um, the Taylor D. Kids TV YouTube channel. I really want to grow that. And of I really course. want to um, eventually have my own children's TV show to kind of teach those skills in a fun way and be um, entertaining still, but teaching the skills that kids might not get to. Mm-hmm. So that's the big goal. Do you ever think you would go back to just being a teacher or is that out of the question for you? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody said never say never, but that's not my goal to return to the classroom. I think I like this entrepreneurial way because I'm able to still impact children, but in a broader way. And I think that's why God called me out of the classroom, not because I hated the classroom, but because I didn't like to teach. It was simply because I needed to teach more children. Mm-hmm. So the more children I can impact and get to and influence positively, that's my goal. I think this. I think really this is going to be the way to go because it's it's teaching in a in a fun way and making right, it right. making it fun for kids. Because mm-hmm. Everybody like even adults now with music we just have like a short attention span. Absolutely. So if if you can get creative with mm-hmm. learning, it's I think be. it'll be much better for kids. Right. Because my son, even when he has homework, he. He he'll sit there for a little bit and trace his letters, mm-hmm. and then he's ready he's to, to the next thing. Yeah, he's yeah. he's just ready to go. Absolutely, yeah, just got to hands on up moving song something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep moving. And it's now. it's some it's some weird song. Of course, Baby Shark is. Oh, that's all, a hit, right? That's yeah. Exactly. If I can get one Baby Shark hit. <laughs> yeah, that Baby Shark is always man. And it's another song that he dances to. I can't remember the name of. There's just mm-hmm. so many of them. I'm just like man, this 
Right. It just, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But I think just teaching them in a fun way mm-hmm. is, is very important. But final, my final question, what is your ultimate goal? My ultimate goal, and that's my big mission, again, in life is just to positively impact as many kids as possible. Um, but my big goal, if I could, if I say like I finally made it, would be to have my own kids TV show. Definitely. Um, Taylor D Kids TV, if that could be, you know, a little Netflix special. Listen, Netflix special, something that people can click on and watch. Um, I think that would be super cool. Speak it into existence. It'll happen. Taylor, I appreciate you. And like I said, I I really appreciate what you're doing because education, it is important. And as a matter of fact, when we get off, I'm going to tell you the concept of my book that I'm working on. Okay, cool. But, um, like I said, I think we just really need to bring more attention to this kind of positivity right. in, in education because we don't we don't shed light on entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and teachers don't get the credit that they deserve anyway. Absolutely. And educators, you guys don't get the credit that you deserve. Just underpaid for the things you have to do with putting up with other people's children and right, from different right. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I and I know how mine are, so it's like <laughs> it's a hand, it can be a handful. So I just, just want to say thank you again. I appreciate it. Because you guys really do a great job. And, of mm-hmm. course, I know it's it's not easy. Right. But, of course, things you do is very much appreciated. But before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how they can find you in the Tumble Bus? Yes, absolutely. Again, um, TaylorD.org, T-A-Y-L-O-R-D-E-E.org is my personal website. And then as far as Tumble Bus, it's TumbleBusSouthCLT.com, TumbleBusSouthCharlotte.com. Um, and, yeah, that's where all the information is. I would love to connect again any way that I can help any child, um, any teacher, any parent, um, any book writers out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just all about helping and giving back in any way that I can. So let's connect. All right. I, I appreciate you. Oh, thank you again, Taylor. Hope yeah. you guys enjoyed it. Till next time, this is Cross the Line Podcast. Uh-huh. Keep chasing your dream. Keep chasing. I'm getting tongue tied. It is time to go. <laughs> Keep chasing your dreams. Keep chasing your dreams. This is Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening. Yay.